Welcome to the Customer First Podcast, hosted today by Julio Hernandez. Julio leads KPMG's Global Customer Center of Excellence, which works alongside the network of KPMG firms to help clients deliver profitable growth by putting their customers at the heart of their business. So I'm really excited today to be here with several key professionals from KPMG who represent their customer practices in in their country and focused on customer experience. Today we have Jeff Mango. Jeff, can you just um, introduce yourself? Sure. Jeff Mango. I lead KPMG's U.S. customer experience practice. Perfect. Aditya Rath. Hi. I'm Aditya Rath, partner with the uh, customer practice from the Mumbai office. And Tim? And Tim Knight from the U.K. Fantastic. And Tim, you have a long history working on customer experience and focused on the customer agenda, no? I have, yes. So I joined KPMG five years ago when KPMG in the UK acquired Numwood. Um, and as part of that, we'd been looking at customer experience best practice around the world for about five years. We're now, as a consequence of our global work, as you know, Julia, we're in our 10th year now. So a long history, not just of looking at best practice through specific client lenses, but also analyzing the market. Right. Looking at who performs well and why. Fantastic. So that's why we're here today, to celebrate the fact that we just released our 10th edition of the Customer Experience Excellent Report. We covered multiple geographies around the world in 22 countries in total, and we're uh, we're gearing up to do a a new report in the new fiscal year uh, with more than 25 countries, which is exciting. But in that, what we find is that companies that are customer obsessed are really performing well. They're doing great in the marketplace, not only because they use customer experience as a differentiation, as a point of differentiation, and they're stating this to us, they're stating this to other analysts around the uh, around the uh, around the patch, but because they're actually seeing benefits, economic returns from competing on customer experience. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about that and what's behind that and helping our listeners understand our perspective and actually what's happening in the marketplace. So Ticha, what are you seeing with your clients is how they're using customer experience as a differentiator and the kind of economic returns that they're they're obtaining? Well, it's uh, in a country like India, everything has to have an economic value. The reason uh, it has to have an economic value is that because of the wide, diverse population group that we have. So what we've seen recently is that uh, clients were investing uh, on customer experience, which has a meaningful sense for the customer, has better returns made, made on the investments that they're doing. So for example, the whole euphoria of going and creating a mobile app uh, creating a mobile website, uh, trying to be more digital, uh, that's actually stabilizing. Uh, customers are asking, what is the consumer who is actually consuming this product or service going to really appreciate or going to pay for? And once they understand that, they're then making those investments. So I see a huge shift in from a knee-jerk reaction to a far more informed decision, and uh, those returns are starting to show. Uh, the other dimension is that uh, in a diverse population, there is this whole top big cities, and there is a huge uh, part of the country which is absolutely uh, in the in the mainlands. And and I think it's important to understand that there is a leapfrog uh, piece which is happening there. So they are they're adapting to mobile faster. They're adapting to data consumption faster. They're adapting to content faster. So companies are not just now looking at channels, but they're also looking at behaviors to be able to tie them back to returns. So I think customer centricity and returns are now being talked, and uh, CX professionals are uh, getting a boardroom, uh, at least a voice, if not a seat. Great, so it's safe to say, just playing it back, really understanding what the customer wants, having a deep customer understanding the insights, 
is really important here. And then really determining and prioritizing what experiences you want to deliver and then targeting the value that you want to capture by aligning the organization is really critical to do that. So Jeff, you know, you, you've got an interesting background. You spent many years in industry as, a, as a, a senior executive in charge of customer experience, and now you're a management consultant, have been doing this for multiple years, lead the efforts in the U.S. How are you talking to your clients about aligning around customers and giving them uh, the, the juice, so to speak, to get their organization to make the pivot and make the investments? You know, I see two really major trends happening now that if you go back and say we've been in the age of the customer since Forrester declared it about a decade ago, you know, the U.S. has seen some maturing. And in that maturing, there's become really two trends that have emerged. One of them is the fact that we may have tried this a few times before and not necessarily captured or seen the financial results. And so, therefore, it makes it a little bit harder to think about that investment. And the other is because so much has been learned in the last 10 years, how do we actually move faster and accelerate, potentially skipping some areas of where we may have seen others cut their teeth and learn so that we can move faster. So as a specific example, I would say organizations who are looking at what they need to deliver for their customers and where the opportunity is to grow also the bottom line is a big focus right now in the U.S. And when they look at the bottom line and where they need to move the needle, it comes down to growth and retention and those uh, areas of opportunity and how they actually think about investing in the key moments of that customer's journey versus, say, looking at the entire journey and essentially being absorbed by and overwhelmed by that journey. Got, got it. And so, you know, Tim, you, you know, you, we sit on, um, thanks to some early investments that you've made, we sit on a rich database of what great customer experiences look like. Ten years of of facts around based on the six pillars of customer experience and really unpacking what what customer um, experiences and customer centricity and customer experience leaders do. How are you seeing your clients make the trade-offs around cost to serve and expectations of customers? How are they getting that balance right? I think it's really interesting to reflect on what Jeff's just shared with us, which is the the practice of customer experience has been maturing rapidly since we entered the age of the customer we've seen the the practices of the tools of the techniques and the profile of CX advance massively and the the global six pillar research gives us a unique perspective on that it allows us not only to decode what an outstanding experience is but also look at those leaders those CX pros those organizations those CEOs who are absolutely leading the field globally but also those who aren't. It's really interesting to look at those who aren't. And in those instances, what we have seen is that maturity that Jeff talks about from the point of view of CX practice, but a lack of maturity around economic discipline. And that for us really is the missing ingredient. That's the catalyst that CX needs in order to be seen as a credible business discipline. And increasingly, when we look at those organizations that are leading the field, those that are using CX to, to drive growth and economic outcome, those are the ones that have made their CX practices CFO credible. They've stepped into a world where this is no longer just for preserve of journeys and emotional connection, but it's for preserve of cost management, portfolio management, and transformation oversight. Right. So, so Jeff, how do you, how do you respond to, to Tim's assertion that the folks have become more mature, right, but there are also this emphasis on the financial returns and being quote-unquote CFO ready? So CFO Ready, I think, is a great um, 
thought process that CX professionals need to take up front because the biggest miss in CX planning is the fact that there isn't a very good baseline that's set. So when we're actually changing the experience, we never measure the previous experience. And I see organizations continue to, when we have the conversation with them, maybe that has been the major contributor to a failed effort prior. Right. Is that they really didn't set the stage for what was the current state of the financials before we went and made the change and therefore not being able to understand how that reinvestment should be considered to continue to self-fund the CX uh, practice of improving customer experience consistently. So really understanding the change that you're driving, understand the baseline, understand where the target, and then measuring the progress, not only in, in, at an experiential level, being in a contact center with speed to answer or the amount of uh, self-serve utilization, but also just in terms of the actual results of NPS scores or CSAT scores, depending on the score and metric that a company is using. So I like this idea of CFO ready. I, I have a hypothesis too, though, that CX professionals need to be CMO ready. And what I mean by that is we, everyone is talking about the age of the customer and they're talking about the age um, of rising expectations of customers. But I also think that expectations is a two-sided coin. A company, a CMO, a brand can set expectations and the competitive landscape and comparative landscape can set expectations. And so we know from our Six Pillars research, Tim, that you know expectations management is a key component there. How do you see the CMO playing a role there around expectations? It's really vital, Julio, and this is where the connectivity of business comes into play. But yes, absolutely, we need to be CMO credible. We've got to manage expectations, and the marketing directorate has got a, a key role in making that happen. But this is to do with the connection of the marketing promise and the operational reality. And I think the challenge that many organizations face in that regard is, firstly, there's not necessarily a joined up analytical view between right. marketing and operations. And as Jeff alluded to just now, unless you've got that joined up analytical view, that baseline to refer to, it can be extraordinarily difficult. And then you've got to take a total journey view. You've got to take a total journey view of how you're setting expectations and delivering against them. So for instance, if I look at one of the financial clients I'm working with at the moment, one of their biggest inhibitors to success, something that was driving them down our rankings, was the fact that expectations, one of the pillars, was underperforming. Now that expectation was actually being set by a marketing promise to turn around documents in a certain time. The back office process that was designed to fulfill upon that promise was fundamentally broken. Now that back office process did not sit in marketing, but only by taking a total journey view, looking at the connected teams of systems underneath that, and essentially reducing that point of failure, could you deliver on the marketing promise and therefore alleviate the challenge to expectations. So because you're talking about a bank, right, and, and a financial services client, the expression I would use for that is that the organization was writing checks that they weren't in a position to cash. So somebody in the front office was making a promise and they hadn't told somebody in the middle of the back office, hey, you need to be able to execute or we need to be able to execute this. So not only is a CX professional responsible for understanding the customer and setting the expectations or, 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 or architecting what the experience needs to be like, they need to be an orchestrator, ensuring the organization knows 
what needs to happen to be able to deliver on that promise, which is great. So Aditya, in, in a country of over a billion people like India, with such a diverse population and, and, and really kind of just ecosystems, how does one orchestrate an organization and get an organization aligned to be able to deliver a customer experience? Because you've got very urban areas and you've got very, very rural areas. How does a company think about that? That's a great question, Julio, and I'm going to take an example to kind of uh, uh, give a response to this. So this is a customer that we worked with uh, who's largely working with, uh, and it's a B2B customer, so its complexity was uh, in, an, in a B2B organization, uh, CX professionals are not necessarily having the same weight in a B2C organization as compared to a B2C organization. So what, uh, what the organization wanted to do is that they wanted to change the channel experience. Like in a country like India, if you have to reach the heartland of India, you have to look at channel businesses. You can't really open a store or a storefront in every nook and corner. It's a large country, uh, it's got diverse population. So what they did was that to be able to transform the channel experience and to be able to propagate the brand promise across the channel, they created what we uh, call is an empathy layer or an empathy map to say that what does it make a channel person happy? What, what would it take to make a channel person happy to be able to serve the end consumer at the end of the channel? And it was a long process, a long journey. Uh, but what the change actually reflected in multiple places. First, the tone at the top. Uh, and getting that right was very important. So that started with the promoter. Uh, explaining why a change of this nature is warranted to a promoter is tough because they still make money without uh, the, the, right. the, the changes to the CX landscape. The second is functional heads. And uh, in, in a channel business, supply chain, for example, plays a critical role. I think, uh, I think there are certain capabilities that uh, the CX professionals started working with us to be able to look at, for example, responsive supply chain, uh, centricity, the technology architecture. Now these would otherwise in, uh, get missed if you just looked at CX. So there has to be a wider and a holistic lens. And then eventually, as I mentioned the word empathy at the beginning, eventually what does empathy mean? So you kind of have to break down that word and bring it to daily actionable. So things like listen, things like data transparency, things like trust on payments, uh, things like visibility on where my product is, and uh, returns, for example, making sure the payments are happening on time. So these actionables are across the organizational value chain. A program like this takes anywhere between 12 to 18 months. So one of the key things of making this change was also the patience and clarity of communication. Uh, so, so I think the biggest takeaway for us when we did this is that we never looked at it as a project, but we looked at it as a program which transcended across multiple elements. And it's, it's, a, it's a job to be done and it's continuum uh, because it's never ending because there are next levels of changes that will come in. It, it's interesting because you use the word transformation, right? And oftentimes people think that I have a beginning and an end to a transformation. Um, but what I think we all know as customer professionals, folks that are in the marketplace every day helping our clients is um, the customer is not just going to transform once. And so if you're customer centric and you're customer obsessed, and the target of your obsession is going to be transforming on a continuous basis, right? Changing the way that they interact with brands, changing the way they interact with channels, changing with their expectations, that this transformation to be customer obsessed is probably not, is, is not a quote unquote transformation, but rather a transformational journey that you basically have to build certain skills. And around that, the concept, the economics that are being driven from it, the value case, the business case is oftentimes predicated on either I'm continuing to retain my customers or I'm attracting new customers 
or I'm aligning my operations so they're more efficient in being able to execute there. So as you think back, if you step back about our discussion today, about all the, the, the facets and uh, around customer obsession and how clients are embracing it, what would be the one takeaway you would take to them and say, if you're going to drive value for your customer franchise, for your business, and you're a CX professional, you need to pay attention to this. What would be the key takeaway? What would be the key North Star that you would give to them? So for me, the key North Star to them is that, first and foremost, get this, the board aligned to it uh, before you get started. The first and the single most important thing is it's a board, it's, it's an ownership driven, it's a private proprietary firm, it's a family owned business, irrespective of the holding structure of the leadership, you have to get them aligned and understand what's the purpose? Why are we doing this? Do we want to just do it because the, everyone else in my industry is doing it? Do we want to do it because I'm pressurized because, for some revenue targets or cost? But get that clarity on the table. Okay. Uh, unless you do that, I think the rest is uh, mostly doing a lip service, which I don't think is going to work in the long term. So what's interesting is we're talking about being customer obsessed, which is an outside-in perspective. I'm getting aligned to the outside. And what you're saying is do not forget to get the inside aligned to the outside, because otherwise you may not be able to sustain the journey. Jeff, given your tenure and your experience, both on, on client side and in, 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 as a management consultant, what would be your piece of advice? When you're looking at the customer's um, future state, make sure you have understood the financial levers of the current state that should be moving in that new redesign. And I think organizations, while fast to act, will jump right into a future state experience, usually sometimes following a competitor or making a shift because of some economic pressures, but hasn't taken that few minutes to really assess what levers are we going to really move here and how are we going to make sure that we understand the value that we're providing for our customers and the value internally that we're providing to the business. And in many cases, what we haven't talked about is that third leg of the stool, which is the employee experience. Because in these transformations that we all lead, we see significant benefits to the employee experience when you're balancing the portfolio correctly. Right, right. So to really know the value levers you're going to pull, be, be explicit about how they're going to move and absolutely understand the role of the employee in moving some of those levers and, and enabling them to be able to deliver on that, that, that customer promise and the customer experience. What, what would, we, would be your takeaway, Tim? I think your point about continuous transformation is absolutely right. So we do live in a world where organizations need to be in a state of almost perpetual revolution in order to be successful. The pace of change is just so, so frenetic. You know, we have to face into that. But if you look at all of our data, you look at the six pillar data from all of these markets, 10 years, two and a half thousand plus brands, what we see is that a very large number of organizations are struggling to start that transformation. They're struggling to start that revolution, whether that's in customer experience, employee experience, or both working in unison. And as we talked about in opening, this economic uh, discipline, this economic acuity, is the catalyst that's missing. Now that can be very hard to start, as we heard from Aditya, the, the programs can be 18 months plus. You know, it's quite a long value horizon for most executives to face into. One of the key insights that I take from our work is that one of the most powerful ways to start that revolution is to start, yes, with growth, and let's, let's start with growth aspiration, but also with cost. 
Yeah. And if we're going to have a CFO credible conversation, let's use customer as a lens to understand what we need to invest in, but also what we can pause and slow down and use that as a fuel to start the transformation. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we have representation today on the phone from Asia, from North America, and from Europe, and many of the themes are the same. At the end of the day, I think I take away from this, you have to understand your customer. You need to be able to engineer experiences and design experiences, but what you talked about just a moment ago, Tim, is also you need to value engineer those experiences. You need to know where you're going for revenue versus where you're going for a reduction of cost. You need to strike the right balance all the time being attuned to the fact that you need to align the organization to be able to execute. This has been a fabulous conversation. I really appreciate you guys taking time for your schedule today just to chat, and we we'll look forward to uh, talking to our audience again in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you to all of the guests on today's episode. Join us next time as we continue our discussions on being customer first. If you would like to subscribe to our podcasts or read our growing library of blogs, visit kpmg.com forward slash customer first. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, goodbye.